I wonder, <laughs> I wonder why this, this harsh reality that to some extent um, in each of our lives there are these topics and these categories and these attitudes and these issues in our life um, where we are just settling for, for just being comfortably numb in some area or, or we have, there's been some topic that has pierced and, and latched onto us or some habit or, or addiction or something that maybe we haven't ever even talked about or nobody knows about us and we're trying we're trying to push it away into the closet and shut the door and hope that it just kind of stays there and the the tentacles of this issue keeps coming out again and again and again and i think that uh, if we were really honest if we would take an inventory of our hearts and and seriously evaluate and, and, and just you, just you alone, not, not, not telling anyone, just evaluating your heart alone. I think that what we would find, and I know this is true for me, that there's spots in my heart where I have been snared. There, there's spots where, where, where I'm paralyzed, where I'm just immobilized, where I've, uh, you know, maybe I've experienced great defeat or great pain or whatever it is. And, and I look at that video and I don't want to experience any of that, but the reality is... I don't even want to admit that I, I would struggle with any of that. But the reality is that if, if you and I are living and we're breathing in and out and we're sucking air, then the, the experience is that sooner or later, we're going to experience this, this weird numbness, this sin, this temptation, this, uh, this evilness that kind of sneaks into our lives at times, it's just per- pervasively kind of hunting us down. Man, it is really pervasive. It just, it's, it's, it's lurking. And before you know it, you're just kind of numb to the topic. It starts out small and, and innocent, and just before you know it, you're duped. Have you ever, you ever held an octopus or had a, had a chance to, like, scuba dive and grab one and just play with it? Or maybe just, yeah, no, I, I had one uh, about a year ago. And it was the weirdest first time in my life, the weirdest experience. Because as soon as my hand went towards it, and it was totally cool, you know, but as soon as my hand went towards this, this thing just quickly darted out, grabbed onto my hand, and went and knotted itself around my hand just so fast. And when I think about temptation and I think about the, the evil that lurks in this world and, and, the, and all this stuff that is comfortably numb, all these things that, that compromise our character and our integrity and all these, it's just like little tentacles that just burrow into your life and start to take root. Before you know it, you're like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Creeping and tightening down little bit by little bit. You don't even know it. Before long, in this particular topic, whatever it is, and maybe it's in the dark or in the closet of your life, you just, you're just surviving. Maybe you don't even feel like you're living in this area. You're just settling for being numb and kind of dead in this area of your heart. So the question that I have for you as we start this time is, is where is it that you're settling in your heart where numbness has taken over in you? You've allowed the tentacles of temptation or the tentacles of, of whatever it is, the evil, uh, to, to, to creep into your life and you've settled for that. And maybe settled isn't even the right word. Maybe, maybe you just, 
you feel helpless in this, in this area. You don't even know what to do. Maybe you're just throwing up your arms like, man, it, it, maybe I'm going to always struggle with this. Maybe it's just going to always be the case. Maybe there actually is no freedom from this particular topic. What is it for you? Was there a, a scene that flashed by on the screen where you know, the hair on the back of your neck just kind of lifts for a second and because it starts touching a spot? Well, if we are average here, and I, I'd like to think we're a little bit above average, but if we're average, then there's some pretty, pretty hairy topics that we struggle with on this, this, this particular issue of substance abuse or even sexual abuse or, or, or where we're just kind of becoming numb to particular areas of our life where we're just kind of looking the other way and, and, and just doing something in private or in secret. Before long, we're entangled and, and we're feeling empty and snared. And the bottom line is this. This was never, ever, ever the life that God intended for us. A life of compromise, a life of, of hiding, a life of carrying weights and, and hurts and, 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 and trauma and pain from stuff that we have done or what people have done to us and, and this numbness that we feel of just barely existing and just trying to get by through addiction or whatever it may be. It was never the life, never the life, never what God had, to, had for us, had us designed for, the, the life that he intended. And I felt like we, we really needed to paint this picture coming into verse 13 of this very last message in this series. Because if we don't have a chance to really look our sin in our face and look at the things where we are compromised in character or the places where we are compromising integrity or the things that actually are ruling our flesh or the things that have power and control over us that have just weaseled their way in. If we don't confront that stuff, if you don't ask the question in your mind where it is that, that you're struggling and where you're just kind of numbing through life and you're just settling and you know, you know if we don't confront that, that we can't understand as we go into verse 13 the power of how the Lord's Prayer actually ends and the power of what Jesus is telling us. Profound, off the charts, nuclear, amazing. And as we started this prayer, Jesus starts by saying, when you pray, this is your model, this is your example of how you would commune with your Father and how you would pray to your Father. Here's your example. He starts it off with the word, you remember this a couple weeks ago, Abba. He just starts a relationship right from the very beginning. This is your father, your father, daddy. When you pray, pray Abba. And then we went through several things over the last couple of weeks, like uh, that God is our, our provider, that he is the one, it's his will. He's the one in control. It's his kingdom, that he's the one who forgives. And we turn the corner on this last verse, this verse 13 here, where we're going to camp out for a little bit. And you'll see it up on the screen here, Matthew 6, 13. Jesus starts to introduce a sobering reality that we are involved in an incredible, hardcore battle, an all-out war battle, all out. And he says this in verse 13. When you pray, pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The implication here, what Jesus, I mean, if we're reading between the lines here, the implication is you're going to fall into temptation. 
You're going to fall into compromise and areas of sin and, and, and areas where you're, you're just, you're, you're going to start becoming numb because you're just getting used to the, 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 the sin and the temptation. You're going to fall into that. You're going to fall into an all-out war for your, your soul and your heart. You're going to, that's going to be the reality of the life that you're going to know. And so when that happens, not if, but when it happens, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This will be the biggest battle, the fiercest battlefront that the world and your heart will ever know. This is it. And really, it's, it's a battle that Jesus is describing and preparing us for. It's a battle that actually is everything about our heart and everything about eternity. So he says, when you pray, when you pray, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But if I'm going to really understand what the battlefront is, if I'm going to really understand what I'm, what I'm facing and what the temptation is and what the evil is in this world, I've got to understand the foe that I actually fight. I've got to understand what's coming after me. Because if I don't understand what's coming after me, if I don't think there's actually an issue... Why do I need to pray? I mean, seriously. Why put out a fire if there's not a fire? Why, why do we need to evacuate if there's no need to evacuate? Why, why, why do we do all these things if there's no urgency? What's, what's the urgency? Why, is there tempt- why should I pray? Keep me away from temptation. Why, why should I pray? And that's a pretty strong word, by the way. Deliver us. That's pretty powerful. Why do I even need to pray that? What, what, what's, what's the issue? And so for the next couple minutes, what I want to do is I actually want to pa- unpack the battlefront for you. And it's going to kind of be messy, and, and it's not going to actually feel very good at all. This is going to be very sobering for the next couple minutes here. And, and, and it actually might be fairly uh, frustrating and, and to, to, to paint the picture of what the battlefront looks like and, and discouraging as we talk through this. But I promise you, I promise you, we will flip this around and redeem. But here's what I'd love for you to do. I, I really want to encourage you to actually continue this conversation Please, please continue this throughout the week. And so you can do that by grabbing your program or, or, or whatever and grab a pen. And I'm going to give you a couple topics to write down for you to engage and really carry this conversation. Make sure that you talk to God about this and really start to challenge your adventure. You're your walking alone. You're walking with God throughout this week. All right? So here's, here's the first thing. What is the battlefront? What is the urgency? What is the thing that is coming against us? How do we know what it is? Why is it that we've got to pray against this? Why do we need delivering in the first place? And the Bible is really clear that there's, there's a battlefront and it's threefold. And I'm going to give you these all at once and then we're going to just kind of unpack them one by one a little bit and then we'll turn a corner. And here's what it is. The battle is threefold. In the Bible we see that our enemy actually involves the world. And, and let me clarify that in a, a couple minutes, but just write that down. The enemy actually involves the world. That's our first enemy. The second one is, is our flesh. So we need deliverance from, from the world, and we actually need deliverance from our fresh, flesh. The third one is that we need deliverance from our actual enemy, and that's Satan himself. So it's threefold, the world, our flesh, and the enemy. Let's just start talking about the, the world just for a few moments here. Last year, Mark Driscoll, he's a pastor at Mars Hill Church up in Seattle, Washington. He spoke on this very topic and really helped me in doing some heavy lifting because this is a very difficult topic to kind of actually wrap my brain around. And he defines the world as this, that the world, in this passage here, that the world represents the totality of humanity when, in regards to the bondage of sin. 
See, we use world, uh, this word in a lot of different settings. Like, hey, how's your world doing today? There's nothing wrong with that. Or, hey, this is the world in which we live. But, but the Greek sense of this word world here in 1 John chapter 2 that's going to go on the screen here, it actually is a very negative sense. It's got a negative connotation connected to it. So the world is our first enemy. And you could actually say that the world is an external enemy for us. Here's what 1 John chapter 2 says, verse 16. These are the ways of the world. This is the world that we live in, and this is the definition of the world that we live in. First one, wanting to please our sinful, uh, sinful selves, wanting the sinful things that we see, and being too proud of what we have. None of these things come from the Father, but all of them come from the world. So in 1 John here, when we talk about the enemies that are out to rob your heart and rob my heart, why, so why do we need deliverance? Robbing our heart, the, the, the first one is the world. It's our external enemy here. It's a world that the whole organization of the world, because we live in a fallen world, a sinful world, the whole organization of the world is that it lives in opposition to God. Everything in this world is defined in opposition to God, rebellion against God, because we live in the sinful world. But I want to unpack this really quickly here, so it's still on the screen, check it out. The world is defined by these things here, and here's the first one it says in verse 16, wanting to please our sinful desires. So you could actually just summarize that, and you could say, what's, what, what does the world look like? It looks like the lust of the flesh. So our body, it looks like the lust of the, of the flesh. But then it goes on to say here in verse 16, not only wanting to please our sinful desires, the lust of the flesh, it goes on to say, wanting the sinful things we what? What's it say? That we, that we see. So not only the world, the world is defined by the lust of the flesh, but it's also defined by the lust of our eyes. So our, our, our flesh desires deep satisfaction, and there's nothing wrong with that. God, I think God designed that. He wants us to have satisfaction. But our, our, our sinful flesh, the, our flesh, our old nature flesh, the flesh of the world, wants pleasure, wants to give in to temptation, wants the lust of the flesh, the eyes, the lust of the eyes, what it sees, the stuff that I see, the stuff that my eyes capture. And then the verse goes on. There's a third portion there. The verse says this, the ways of the world, wanting to please our sinful selves, the lust of the flesh, wanting sinful things that we see. And here's the third portion that defines the world and being too proud of what we have. So the progression is that we have this sinful flesh that we live in, and we have the sinful eyes, and those two things together actually lead us towards a very boastful, prideful spirit. Wow, doesn't that just feel great? That's the world we live in. First John, that's the world that, that, that we survive in. And, and, that, and the whole MO of, of Satan in this world right now is to try to get you and I to covet and to lust and to, to, to chase after th- things that run in opposition to God. That's his whole MO for this world right now. And that's the first enemy we have. And you think back to the garden, uh, right? When Satan first uh, encountered, encountered Eve there. And, and, and it says in Genesis that she saw the fruit that was pleasing to the eye. She saw the fruit that was pleasing to the eye. And what happened after she saw it? What happened in that passage in the very beginning? She wanted it. She wanted it, and there was this desire to have it, to get it. 
It's very interesting, and this is kind of tricky here in this, this verse here. It's really tricky, and I think it's a very subtle thing that Satan does, that the eyes and the flesh are connected. That what I see, what I, what I long for, what I see and, 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 and I capture with my eyes actually starts to translate to my sinful flesh. So case in point, you're watching TV, the ad comes on right in between the office, right? The ad comes on for a great, beautiful burger. What do you want to do? You want to eat the burger, right? No, we're being good. But I'll just think about the burger for a little bit. I'll fantasize about the burger because it has way too many calories, but I'm going to fantasize for a while. And it might uh, actually stick with you for a while. The sinful, the sinful desires of the eyes, the sinful desires of what I see, start to want to take root in, in, in the lust of the flesh. Isn't that tricky? Isn't that really, it's pervasive. It's, it, it, it creeps in. Very, very tricky. And before you know it, my body wants it. Whatever it might be, pick the topic for you. Whatever it is that, that you struggle with, whatever it is that, that sin that, that, that creeps into your life, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things out there that uh, addictions, the alcohol, the sex, the stuff, the food, whatever it is, your body starts to want to crave it. You want to have it. You want to get it. You want to, you want to be able to eat it. You want to be able to experience it and drink it and touch it and feel it and, 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 and enjoy it. You want to be able to consume it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And then in 1 John here it says, that combination right there turns into something and it turns into Pride. It turns into a boastful spirit, turns into pride. What is that? Selfish ambition. It's pride that says, hey, look how smart I am. Hey, look, look at what I've done. Look at the success. Look at uh, my accomplishments. Look at all my great works. Look at, look at all, this, all this stuff. It's arrogance. It's pride. It's not God. It's all me. This is what Satan would love for you and me. This is what he would love for us to struggle with. This is, this is so, you know, it just starts really small and he, it takes root. And, and before you know it, you're like, where did that come from? This is, this is everything from the first temptation in the garden to the present. It's the same scheme that Satan has been doing the whole entire time. You see something. You want it. You get it. You brag about it. You boast about it. You, you glory in it. Pride. Arrogance. Our first major, major, major battlefront. Why do we need to be delivered? Our first major battlefront is the world that we live in. Here's the second one. Second major battlefront is our flesh. And it's, uh, if, if the world is our external in- enemy, the flesh would be our internal enemy. And this is kind of a long pas- uh, passage here, so kind of hang with me here. But uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. I wish I had time to kind of unpack the whole deal we, we just don't have that time right now but as you as we read along man it's so clear this interaction between uh, the the old sinful nature this flesh this internal battle that i have going on and this new nature that god gives me Let, let's read this galatians 5 starting verse 17 the old sinful nature loves to do evil which is just opposite from what the holy spirit wants and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. Two forces are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're living in this conflict all the time? 
I mean, Paul talks about that. He talks about it in, 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 in the epistles when he says, man, I just want to do something, but I can't. I want to do the right thing. I end up not doing the right thing. There's this constant battle all the time. This world that we live in and then this flesh, this sinful desire that, that, that we're just born with. That it's inside of us, innate inside of us. Verse 18. But when you are directed, oh, so this is good news. When you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law, which means the old, the old sinful ways. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. And then there's a long list of really horrible stuff, but we'll blaze through it here. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasures, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, uh, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except for those in your own little group. I kind of think that one's funny. You know, boy, that's, that's basically that's pointing the finger at everybody else except taking responsibility. Envy, a drunkenness, wild parties, and every kind of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the flesh. That's the internal enemy that you and I war against. That's a, that's a really formidable foe. That's a big battlefront. This internal sinful desires, my flesh, my sinful nature that just wants to sin like a banshee. That's what I'm, 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 I'm dealing with on the inside. And then I've got the world on the outside feeding it. Thomas Brooks, he, he's a great Pur, a Puritan writer, and he, he wrote it this way. He said, and I'm going to kind of, kind of paraphrase here. He said that you and I, to fully understand this, you and I really need to start thinking of our flesh as a hook. Our flesh as a hook in the world as the bait. Here, here, here's what we mean, we mean by that. Is that Satan is going to do whatever it takes to hook your flesh. He's going to do whatever it takes to take you down. He's, he, he doesn't actually care what it is. Pick a topic. Whatever it is that's going to get you to sin, he's going to do that. It doesn't matter. He'll give you anything you want. It doesn't matter. It could be sex. It could be money. It could be power. It could be ambition. It could be this and that. It could be anything. Status. It doesn't matter. Stuff. As long as people bite so that he can actually reel them in and start the process of making you just kind of comfortably numb. If you fish, you know the concept really well, <laughs> Right? You go looking for a, a nice, juicy trout, and you don't really care what you put on the hook as long as the trout cares what goes on the hook, right? Because all of it's really nasty. And so you put it on the hook anyways, and you throw it out there, and you wait for some foolish trout to come along and to bite. And this trout thinks he's going to get a feast, but really what's happening? You're getting the feast. You're the one feasting. The world is our external enemy, the sinful world we live in. The internal enemy is our sinful desires. And here's the last battlefront before we kind of turn the corner here. The last battlefront is this, is that we actually have an enemy himself that's warring against us, Satan. And here's the harsh reality, is that because Satan is completely at war with God, if you are in love with God, if you are a child of God, if you're in relationship to God, quite possibly even if you're not, you are an enemy of Satan. The Bible has a ton of uh, uh, titles for Satan that actually help us understand a little bit more about 
this enemy. The Bible calls him a destroyer, a deceiver, an evil one, a liar. And there's so many other titles that, that the Bible gives Satan. And these, these, these titles actually help us understand the damage that occurs from this enemy. That, that he's dangerous. That he, he hates us. And he's going to do whatever it takes to actually take you down. And he's doing it right now in your families. And he's doing it right now in, in your relationships, in your marriages, in, in your workplaces, and inside internally where you struggle. And maybe and he's doing it in, in areas and categories and topics that you may not have ever even shared with anyone. And maybe it's even a topic that he's, he's trying to bait you and just get you numb just so that you're, you're just marginalized. Maybe it's a topic that you would never tell anybody and you don't even want to admit it today. And he is a foe, a formidable foe, and he's going after you. That is the reality. But, but here's some good news. So kind of play along with me for a second, okay? So, so give me some feedback and fill in the blank. And, and uh, if you've hung around K2 for a while, I, you, this might be familiar to you. But, but kind of fill in the blank here, all right? Light versus, what's the opposite? Darkness. Great. And so we can play this again and go heaven versus hell. Good. And then demons versus angels. I kind of flipped that. And then God versus, and that's where it breaks down is that there is no equal sign between God and Satan. So as we're talking about this formidable foe, which he is, there is no equal sign. He is uh, under the authority of God. He also has none of the attributes of God. But he is nonetheless our enemy. And those are the three major battlefronts of your heart. And it's really important that we understand that because as we turn this corner here, when we understand the sickness, the the, the sinful desire, our old nature, uh, who we are without Christ, everything in this fallen world, when we understand that and confront that, now, verse 13 is worth talking about all day long. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew that we would be living these lives where you and I would feel robbed of our freedom, of our victory, where we would just be um, settling. And so that's why he says in verse 13, he instructs us to pray. And these are very dangerous prayers right here. These are, these are dangerous because they, they're actually very offensive. They're saying, God, take action, take action. And here's what he says in verse 13, and we just read it a moment ago. I'll throw it up on the screen here again as we look at it. And lead us not into all that stuff. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first part of this verse, if I were to just throw one word on it and categorize it, I would choose the word protection. This is like the protection portion of the prayer. And this is a prayer that you and I use, that we can use and we have access to, to protect. But see, what's really weird about this phrasing here is you look at it, and at first glance, it actually doesn't look like protection. Read it again. Uh, Lead us not into temptation. Because it starts to beg the question, hold hold on, does that mean you're leading us into temptation? Who's leading us into temptation? Why would you not lead us? Why would you lead us into temptation? It kind of sounds confusing here. Why, why would God want to lead us into temptation? So, God, don't lead me into that. <laughs> I made no sense right there. James chapter 1, verse 13 actually gives us a, 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 some insight into the nature and the character of God so that we can kind of unravel this first, this first point here. 
So look at this in verse 13 of James 1. Uh, we understand this, this character of God here. When tempted, when, so when you and I are going through this battle, when we are faced with evil, temptation, no one should say, God is tempting me. Why? Because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That, it, it goes against his character. So when, when, when we're saying, lead us not into temptation, it's not like, like uh, we're saying, oh, don't do this, don't, don't smite us, don't, don't, because God is not in his character, verse 14, but no one, but I'm sorry, each one is tempted when, and here's the trigger, by his own evil desires, your desires, my desires, we are dragged away and enticed. Here's a different way to look at it. Um... Addie, Addie got dressed up, and I told you a couple weeks ago, do you remember we went on a, a, a date? You guys remember that? Oh, it was great. And, and we had a good, really good time together. And she, uh, I, I described to you a couple weeks ago, she, she put on this beautiful dress, and uh, it, it was our date, and I wore my suit. And uh, she, she put on her tights, and she just looked stunning. And she knows, she knows, we've, ta- we've taught our kids, don't run in the parking lots. It's kind of a a good thing not to do, you know, to run in these parking lots. And, but she was so excited. She was giddy, and she's going on a date, and, you know, she was like, ah. And she started to run. And, you know, I couldn't get to her. And she ran, and uh, thank goodness there was no cars. But she found out what black ice was. Hits this piece of black ice. Goes down. Rips her tights. Stands back up, and, and just just stands there and and you know if you have kids sometimes they just don't want to cry and you know that if i just said oh just cry she was just ah! you know and she was just standing there and i ran over and i held her and i'm like it's okay it's okay and i tried to brush it off i'm like it's fine you're beautiful don't worry about it it's good i'm here and it's it's all right it happens to me you know and it happens to everybody and no one likes black eyes and it's kind of the way it goes i'm sorry you were born in utah that you had it could have been born in the desert i'm sorry you know and, and, and she looks up at me and she smiles. And then she does a really cool thing. A really cool thing. She doesn't say anything, but, but she says it by her action. She reaches up. And if you know my daughter, if, you, if you've hung out with my daughter, she's very independent. And her love language is not touch. Her love language is time spent. So if I want to love my daughter, I just spend time with her, but I don't touch her. Because she's like, stop touching me. You know, I mean, she just does, she's not very touchy. She loves by being together. She loves by me telling her I love her. But she does a very profound thing at this moment. She reaches up, she grabs my hand tightly, tightly, and then we walk. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Lead me, God. Lead me, Abba. Lead me, Daddy. Don't, don't allow me to go there. Why? Because I've been there, and I don't want to go there again. I've already been down that road. I've already tasted the destruction I've already seen what my flesh is capable of. Father, Abba, skirt with me around that. Take me away from that. Skirt me around. Don't leave me in that temptation. Watch me. Hold me. Bailey just learned how to do the monkey bars. Sort of. She crawls up and she grabs the first one, but she doesn't take off. She's, daddy, 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 daddy. Watch me. Come hold me. And I hold her legs as she goes. She could totally do it on her own. And one of these days, I'm just going <laughs> to... Hold me. Abba, Daddy, be with me. Don't, don't lead me into temptation. Help me. Skirt me around. Take me away. And, and then, 
then I follow. I follow. I follow his lead. I run from, from my, my, my desires and my flesh, from these eyes that capture and go into the, the, the lust of my body that turn out to be pride and arrogance, which God hates. I, I, I turn from that and I run and I follow my Abba. I follow my daddy. Lead me not into temptation. This is hard right now in the economy we're in because there are temptations right now. Just as an example, the potential to, to be so consumed with money right now, consumed with what's happening in the economy, consumed with the potential of, of getting money or making money or selling money or keeping money or you don't sell money and, and doing all these things that you do with money. The temptation to be consumed by that. The temptation that in the midst of lack of finances and lack of opportunities to let my integrity slightly slide, just slightly, just a little bit, to cut a small little corner, to just kind of halfway do something, just a little tiny thing when no one's watching, this, this little tiny pervasive, just small, just, it's not even a, it's, a, it's a little pinprick, right? It's no big deal that just the tentacles, you could just almost hear them, like an Indiana Jones where they go, and before you know it, just immobilized. Abba, Father, lead me from that. Don't allow me to slip. Don't allow me to fall. Lead me away, away. And when he leads, I follow. And then Jesus lays this last one on. Oh, oh this is so good. Lead me away from temptation and then deliver me from the evil one. So after I ask for protection, I ask for deliverance. The, the reality here, though, is that I've probably already fallen. I, I've, I've probably already been in it. I'm already knee-deep in it. I'm, I've woken up, and, and, and I realize that I'm helpless. I've woken up, and, and there's a topic in my life that is just ugly, and I look at it, I'm like, how did this happen? How did this, how did this even become to be? I'm in trouble. I, 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 I need help. I need deliverance. I need help. If you go climbing with, with, with a climbing partner and you're on, you're on the rope and you're supposed to yell, when you fall, you're supposed to yell, falling, it's the polite thing to do. Just telling you, I'm about ready to pitch off. You may want to save my body. So you yell, falling. That never happens. That never happens. <laughs> Not when I go, and especially when I'm the one doing the falling. I'm always like, ah! you know, <laughs> a trailing noise as I go. See, this is, this is serious. This is where I've already fallen. I'm, I'm already in it. I need a savior. I need you to deliver me. I don't need assistance. I don't need just like a little bit of, hey. I need deliverance. I need the power of Jesus Christ. I need saving. There's nothing I can do. I'm in, I'm in it. I'm in trouble. I've been sucked in by something. I've, I, I, I've been sucked in by my own self-gratifications. I'm warring this, this world and this world is baiting me and I've totally taken it. I've, I'm, I've blown it. I'm going down. Deliver me, Jesus. Deliver me. Abba, deliver me, Father. And what I'm kind of describing here is, is, is what we would term almost confession. 
going to God and saying, I have nothing, I have nothing, I've done it, I'm, I'm in the hole. I, I need help, I need you. And the Bible says that if you and I would posture ourselves like that, if we would confess our situation, if we would confess our grievances, if we would confess our sin, if we confess our folly to God and scream out to Him, then He is faithful and just to forgive and to deliver. Deliver us from the evil one. As the band comes up, I want to I want to leave you with this this last uh, fantastic, amazing verse out of out of Galatians chapter one, verse three. Because this is his response. When I cry out, when I cry Abba, when I hold the hand of Jesus, this is his response. Grace and peace to you from our Father, from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins. And here's the word, to rescue us. From what? From this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Deliverance is really rescuing. That's what the good news is. That's what K2 is all about. That's what you're going to hear us scream almost every Sunday. <laughs> if I don't ever scream that, you need to go after me. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the life-changing nuclear peace, the, 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 the truth that we need. That we live in a world that is going after us, the sinful world that, that and I'm not talking about just the, I'm talking about the world we live in is trying to compromise and the DNA, the sinful DNA that we all inherit as we enter this world is vying for our life. And we have an enemy who is Satan himself looking to take us out. And we have a Savior who rescues. And as we end this time today, I'd love for you to really turn this into a, a moment of personal reflection for you. About 20 years ago, um, it seems so funny that I was so young. I started this conversation. Well, I, actually, maybe it was even longer than that. I started to, to learn what this deliverance was about and to engage and understand that, that I can't do this life on my own any longer. I, just, I can't do it. It wasn't until later on in my life that I fully understood what that meant that when I'm left to my own demise, when I'm left to my own power and my own strength, I'm toast, I'm done. There is no hope. There, there, there is nothing. But when I engage with the one who loves me, when I humble myself and I come to my Abba, the one who has given his son for me, his son who died on the cross and who was nailed there, that's the deliverance when I engage a God who has done everything possible, everything in the universe, there is nothing left to do to, to come after me, that's deliverance. That's life. That's freedom. That's everything that you were made for. You were not made for just living comfortably numb and being, being marginalized and putting up with the, the, the sin and the evil desires that entangle you and, 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 and bond you and just ruin your life. You weren't designed for that. 
You were designed for victory. You were designed to, to taste and drink the grace of Jesus Christ in his sacrifice for you. But here is the wild part of that, is that there's so many of us, even those of us who are walking with Jesus Christ, who still carry these burdens around with us all day long. Because either we're, we're, we're scared or we, we want to keep a secret or, or, or we just don't even think anybody cares or we just settle or whatever. But we're not fully realizing the deliverance that Jesus Christ brings. I do not want that to be a hallmark of K2. I care way too much for you. I do not want that to be a hallmark of my life. Because every time that's a hallmark of my life, I steal glory from God. And I rob him of an opportunity to deliver me. It's pride. It's arrogance. Today, as we end our time, I want to encourage you to not leave this place. Don't leave this place without having a conversation with God. Don't leave this place without praying with the many people that are going to be up here today. Don't leave this place settling, being numb to evil, being numb to the temptation, accepting it, just living with it. Do not settle. You were born for victory. You were born to taste the grace. It's yours. It's yours by saying yes to Jesus, to confessing. That's really crying out. I need it. Oh, I've tried. I've tried on my own. I can't. I'm, I'm done. I've tried everything. I, can. I can't do it. I'm settling. Jesus, I need you. It starts by confessing. Would you do that today? There are many of you that have fallen in love with Jesus, and you still need to do that. You need to confess to him. I need you to take this burden. I need you to take it away from me. I need to grab onto your hand. It's been too long, God. I haven't been walking with you. I haven't been grabbing you tight. I need deliverance. Take me. Deliver me. Would you do that? Because see, what we're describing actually is we're describing hope. We're describing life. My hope, my hope is not in this world. Oh, if it was in this world, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. My hope is not in me. I know me. I know me. My hope is not in me. My hope is in Jesus Christ alone. As we finish, we're going to be singing about that. I invite you to, in a moment, to stand. And when the band starts going, stand with us. Sing with us. Don't leave this place without crying out to your Abba. Crying for deliverance. And I'm telling you, too, we're going to, we're going to have some people up here in a few moments. Come. Be prayed for. Man, yesterday... Yesterday was uh, probably the worst day that I've had. I cried more yesterday than I think I've cried in, oh, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. It was horrible. I got together with, uh, actually, two buddies yesterday prayed for me. God threw them. <laughs> Spent, I got nothing left. I feel like these topics have entangled me, I'm not seeing straight. God, deliver me. The power of prayer is unbelievable. Do not live this life by yourself. Don't struggle through this on your own. Part of the deliverance is doing this as a body. Would you be bold enough to do that today? Let's sing. My hope is in you. And as we do this, we're going to take a, an offering, another chance to just worship God the Father. If you are feeling compelled out of gratitude for what he has done to worship in this manner, do it. Oh, just do it. He has given us so much. Let's give back. Would you stand? As we sing. To you, O oh Lord, I lift my soul.